I wonder if you have a Bible with you tonight. You turn with me, please, to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And we're turning to Revelation and to chapter 5. Wonderful chapter that pictures a beautiful scene, even in heaven itself. And we're just going to read some verses from this chapter and then think about the subject of heaven and how to get there. The Word of God says, Revelation 5 and 1, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Amen. We'll end our reading there at verse 10. May God bless his word to our hearts. Let's just bow together again, and we word of prayer, please. Our loving God and our eternal Father, again we look to thee. We pray for help from heaven, from the sanctuary of Zion. We pray for thy blessing to be upon us as we open up thy precious word again just now. Lord, I take the promised Holy Ghost, the blessed power of Pentecost, to fill me to the uttermost. And we say, I take, thank God, he undertakes for me. Be with us now, Lord, as we wait on in thy presence, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We think about the subject of heaven the home of God's redeemed, and how we can get there. It's a wonderful subject that is spoken of throughout the Holy Scriptures and the revelation that God hath given to men. And I often think about the Easter season, and as we were thinking even this morning about the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that he died upon the old rugged cross of Calvary. 
And thank God he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. But we often think at that season of the year that the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And Bible teachers have often said, thank God there is now an open heaven. There is, as the old chorus says, a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is opened and all may go in. It's at Calvary's cross. That's where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus. And thank God there is a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. Jesus Christ is the door. He says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Jesus Christ is the way, for he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the only name in which salvation is found. For the Bible says, there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And thank God there's a way back to God. There's a way to heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ has blotted out the handwriting of the ordinances that were against us. He hath reconciled us to God through the shedding of his own precious blood. But the tragedy is that we live in an age when people don't want to hear. When people say that's some pie-in-the-sky hope that Christians have been peddling for years. They tell us that's not a reality at all. And you know, it's sad to say that even in our meetings in these days, uh, we don't sing about or preach about or think about heaven perhaps as much as they did in days gone by. In old revival meetings, how they would make their rafters ring as they would sing about heaven, the home of God's redeemed. Uh, the old hymn writer says, We speak of the land of the blessed, of that country so bright and so fair, and oft are its glories confessed, but what must it be to be there? There is a land of pure delight where saints immortal reign. Infinite day excludes the night, and pleasures banish pain. Or the hymn writer says, Oh, think of that home over there by the side of the river of light where the saints all immortal and fair are robed in their garments of white. But men and women today tell us that's not the case. There is no heaven. They tell us there is no hell. People say when you die, that is the end. That is the end of life. That is the end of you as far as Life is concerned. You die, they say, as a dog. And that is the end. Many people in this world in which we're living, they talk about reincarnation. And they say, depending on how you live, and what you do, and what you say, and this life determines what you will come back as reincarnated in another life. And they say, well, you may come back uh, maybe as a, an animal, as a cow or a pig. If you're not as fortunate to come back as a cow or a pig, you may come back as a tree, or you might even come back as another human being. 
But they tell us that after a succession of reincarnations, and the New Age, of course, fastened on this also, that one day you will become a god. That's the same lie that the devil sold to our first parents in the Garden of Eden. You shall be as gods. That's why in so many countries of the world where they're into reincarnation, sacred animals or holy animals roam about the streets. People won't move them. I heard recently of a, an aeroplane that was trying to make a landing in one of these countries and it came in on the runway. A number of sacred cows were crossing the runway and so rather than chase the cows, the, the, the airline had to abort the landing and go around again until they, eventually the cows in their own time moved off the runway and uh, that's the way it is. I remember as a young man starting out working in a factory in Belfast and you know what life is life in factories and sometimes a bit rough and tumble and especially when you come in and you say you know I came to know Christ and I'm now saved and well then you're met with laughter and ridicule maybe some fellows that work with you will come up and say God bless you son I wish you all the best others will just carry you to shreds and uh, it's good to be in that cut and thrust. Well, I remember working in the factory, and one fellow, he was always on at me. Every time he talked to me, he always tried to start an argument. And he would always say, you know, you, wait, this is, we're just here. We're just on this planet, and then we die. That's the end, uh, and there's no more existence. And then a loved one of his died. And I sympathized with him. Sorry to hear but your loved one. And then I said, but it's a tragedy. She died like a dog. And that's the end. Oh, well, well, well. And, you know, he began to hesitate and stutter a wee bit. And he didn't like to think that because when it becomes personal and it's a loved one and it's a friend, you see, this book reminds us that God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women and deep inside despite what they might say and the words that may come out of their mouth and the philosophy that they may say they profess to have they know in their heart of hearts they have an immortal soul a soul that will live on as long as God lives either in heaven with Christ or in hell without him and so we're so thankful that our dear Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, and those words that we were mentioning earlier, but in John chapter 14, Jesus said to his disciples, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And as we mentioned those verses from the Apostle Peter this morning, there is an inheritance, it is incorruptible, it is undefiled, it fadeth not away, it's reserved in heaven for us. And we have read tonight in this wonderful book of Revelation, the last book of Holy Scripture, about a time when John was seeing this wonderful vision and 
He saw a book and the book was sealed and he was grieved and he says, I wept much because no man was found worthy to read the book or to open the book. And then the elders told him in verse 6, the lamb as it had been slain and he is worthy to open the book, take away, break the seals and read contents and of course in the book of Revelation there are many many things that are said about heaven but I want you to think with me first of all tonight that the Bible reminds us there is a great problem as far as heaven is concerned in that book of Revelation chapter 21 that book that tells us here in verse 1 that John saw a new heaven and a new earth. That book that says in verse 4, chapter 21, that God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And as you go down that chapter, the Bible explains the wonder and the beauty and the glory and the majesty of that place called God's heaven, that paradise of God. But you know, when you come down to the very last book, or last verse rather, in that chapter, listen to the words of verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So there is a grievous problem as far as heaven is concerned. And that problem is the problem that beleaguers this world in which we live. It is a problem called the sin problem and the sin question. People often say, well, if we could get politicians to give better houses, if we could get a setup whereby there's better wages, if we could get people better educated, if we could do this and do that and do the other thing. But the heart of the problem, and the, the problem is the problem of the heart, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, that the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that the wages of sin is death, that the soul that sinneth it shall die. And God says here, if you are a sinner, you shall in no wise enter in anything that defileth. And even in verse 8 of the same chapter, God says, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars which have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And in with that category of great sinners, the Bible says, the unbelieving, the unbelieving. Men and women who don't believe there's a God, who want to live their life their own way, do their own thing. They may be the great, they may be the good of this world, they may be the rich, they may be the famous, 
They may be the educated or they may be the illiterate. They may be Protestant or Roman Catholic or Jew or Gentile or Hindu or Shinto or something else. But the problem of their life and the problem as far as death and eternity is concerned, that sin is in the heart. And unless sins are dealt with and forgiven and put away and we are cleansed from our sins, then we can't get into heaven. That's the problem. We might be religious. We might be baptized. We might have a degree in theology. We might be well educated. We might have money. We might have all these things. But if we don't know Christ, and we haven't been to Calvary and our sins haven't been washed away through his precious blood and he has cast them behind his back into the sea of his forgetfulness, then we cannot get into heaven. The grievous problem concerning heaven. But I want you to notice, secondly, not only is there a grievous problem concerning heaven, but there's a gracious plan concerning heaven. In Revelation chapter 5 that we read together, it speaks in verse 6, In the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. Then when you turn to Revelation chapter 13, in Revelation chapter 13 and in verse 8, the scripture says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ is called the Lamb. He's called the Lamb of God, John the Baptist says, that taketh away the sin of the world. But he is the Lamb who was slain before the very foundation of the world. Way back there, it's a favorite verse of mine in the second book of Samuel, chapter 14 and verse 14. The Bible says, for we must needs die. We are as water spilt on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any person. Listen, yet doth he devise means that is banished be not expelled from him. God is no respecter of persons. And thank God tonight, as we have read in the scripture here, out of every tribe and kindred and tongue and nation, there are redeemed souls. Because God hath devised the means, God in the trinity of his sacred persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, devised the means, we call it the plan of salvation, whereby his Son would come into the world, he would take our sin on his own body on the cross of Calvary, he would pay the sin debt, he would rise again on the third day for our justification, he would ascend into glory, and one day he will come back again for his people. And that's a wonderful plan of salvation. Old Dr. Richard DeHaan told a lovely story in one of his daily bread books some years ago. He told about a father who was walking with his little son. It was just after the war. And in the United States of America, after the war, the president had called for people if they had lost a family member. They had a son or daughter who had been in the services and they lost their lives, that they would put a star in the window. And as the wee boy and his father were coming up the street and the little boy was amazed at all these stars that were in 
the different windows. He asked his daddy what they meant. His daddy explained to them, that's those people in that house, a mom and dad, their son served in the military, served abroad in the war. He, he lost his life. And so they put a, a son. They gave their son into the army and he died in the conflict. And that little boy walked on up the street. And then he looked up into heaven and he saw the pole star. And he said, Daddy, God must have given his son to you. And God gave his son in the great conflict of the ages to come into this world, to take our place, to suffer and bleed and die. And thank God that's the good news tonight that we who should have been banished are brought back, are brought near, are brought into the family and fold of God through the gospel of Christ. So there's a grievous problem regarding heaven. It's the problem of our sins. There's a gracious plan regarding heaven. We call it the plan of salvation. But I want you to notice tonight there's a glorious person regarding heaven. And here is the person of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. In verse 5 of Revelation 5, it says, One of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Christ is the Lion of lamb. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has authority. He is sovereign just as the lion is the king of beasts. My, he, Christ is described as the lion. All authority all sovereignty is his but he's also the lamb. Therefore he voluntarily humbled himself and took our place because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when we think about this glorious person, we realize, as the scripture has said, I have quoted it already, Acts 4 and 12, there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Only Jesus Christ can save. There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There is one way into heaven, as we sometimes sing a little children's chorus, Jesus is the only way. There is one door, he is the door. There is one plan of salvation, there is one person in whom salvation is centered. And that is Jesus Christ. So therefore we need to be in a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Do you know him tonight as your own and personal saver? Can you say, Fred, thank God I can look to a time in my life when I took the sinner's place and I cried and prayed the sinner's prayer and asked God in mercy to save me as I repented of my sin and put my faith and trust in his atoning blood. And you can say, thank God I was born again of the Spirit of God into the fold and family of God. You'll notice here, there's a great price. It's that sacrifice of our Savior. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, the scripture says, they overcame him, that is, uh, the old accuser of the brethren. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb 
and by the word of their testimony, they love not their lives unto death. The great price of our salvation, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Apostle Peter says, chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, For ye are not redeemed with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. The old gospel hymn says, Nor silver nor gold hath obtained my redemption. There was no other way, the hymn writer says, a God of love could find to reconcile the world, to save a lost mankind. There was no other way but Calvary. Christ paid for our sins in the currency of his precious shed blood. In whom, the apostle says, Ephesians 1 and 7, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. There's a great price, and that price was paid. We, we could never do enough good works. We could never keep God's commandments because we're sinners. But thank God, Jesus came. And Jesus was born of a woman, and he was made under the law for the suffering and the death of the cross they might bring sons and daughters to glory. Therefore, can I close by saying there's a grand prospect for heaven. Saints of God, sinners saved by grace, we have a hope. The old hymn says, Now I have a hope that is steadfast and sure after the passing of time. There is a heaven to be gained. There is a heaven to be won. There is a hell to shun. But men and women, we need to be prepared. Amos the prophet cried out in Amos 4 and 12, Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Jesus says, I am going to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. For all those who have trusted Christ, for all those who have received him, for as many, John says, John 1 and 12, as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. In the book of Revelation there, Revelation chapter 21, and we looked at it earlier in that lovely chapter, but in verse 17 of Revelation chapter 21, or sorry, verse 9, it says, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mount. He showed me the, the great city, the holy Jerusalem, ascending and descending. And then in chapter 22, the, the Lord Jesus Christ again, before this book is closed, in verse 17, the scripture says, The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. There is a place called heaven. There is a promise for heaven. Jesus says you can come. 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. We used to sing a wee chorus in the children's meeting. Sea beans, children, all may come. O means old folk, no more young. M means middle-aged mom and dad. E means everybody, good or bad. You are invited. I am invited. Come to Jesus and live. And that's the invitation. The Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, calls men and women to come, convicts them of their sin, of their need of a Savior. The bride, the church of Christ, the blood-bought people of God, the bride, the, through the preaching of the, the message of Christ, the, the church extends the invitation for men and women to come. And when men and women hear the gospel and they are saved, they want to tell people to come because salvation gives a joy unspeakable and full of glory and a hope for time and for God's eternity. Let's just bow together and we'll bring our meeting to a close in a wee word of prayer. Can we just say if there's one within the hearing of our voice, you don't know Christ as your saviour, you haven't that assurance that it's well with your soul and that you're right with God for time and for eternity, then thank God tonight you can come. You can seek the Lord while he may be found. You can call upon him while he is near. Just as Peter started out to walk on the water and he felt the winds boisterous and he saw the waves, how high they were and they beat against him, he began to sink. He just cried, Lord, save me. Jesus answered his prayer. You can cry tonight, Lord, save me. He'll answer your prayer. Father in heaven, we thank thee again tonight for thy precious word, for the simplicity of the gospel. We thank thee, Lord, that whosoever will can come and partake of the water of life freely. Grant to those who hear who know not Christ that grace to come, to partake of the water of life freely and to be saved for time and for all of God's eternity. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest, remain, and abide with us all now until the Lord Jesus Christ comes or calls. Amen.